welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Why don't we stand? We're going to read the word that is on my heart. But most importantly, I actually do believe it's straight from the heart of the Father. And I said this in our nine o'clock service, by the way, hello online, hello everybody in Overflow, love you, thank you for being here with us today. I mentioned in our nine o'clock service, um, you know, we don't take lightly the opportunity and the way it is to carry what we believe is the word of the Lord for each and one, every one of us. Because it's not just a mandate on our life to, to breathe hope and, and bring God's word for such a time as this, but it's also for us. Me and Anthony need the word just as much as we all do together. And so I pray more than anything that today and each week, week in and week out, that you don't come to just hear another nice, fun, inspiring word, but it's the word of God, which means it's transformative. It means it sanctifies us. It means it transforms us. It means it saves us. It, it does something to us. It takes us out of the miry clay and it sets us forward. It propels us. And so my prayer today is that something would shift in the atmosphere. I mean, I already know the Spirit of God is already here. He meets us from the first moment we open our mouth and we worship Him. But you know, it's also our, our responsibility to open our heart to what God wants to say. And so God could be here, he's a gentleman. So it's really up to you whether you open your heart and you let his word in. So before we sit, why don't we read the word that I believe is for us, for me, for you today. We're gonna read it um, in the book of Acts, chapter 12, one through six, and a little bit of context. Pastor Fernando actually read out of Acts two, and it's about the early church, the persecution that they had to navigate but the reality is they knew who they served and why they served him. And although persecution came, they stood firm until their very last breath. And so that's a little bit of what we're gonna read in this passage about Peter. It says like this, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also, arrested Peter. Is it an interesting when the shouts of the crowd can actually cause people to do the wrong things? Who's speaking to your heart? Is it the crowds or is it the voice of the Holy Spirit? When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of our four squads of four soldiers each. Do you like to do math? That's 16. But Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. He was knocked out. Not like your infant, you know, the night before. No, he was knocked out, fastened. Hear this now. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. 
Others stood guard at the prison gate. Long story short, an angel of the Lord came, released Peter. That's another story, another message for another day. But I loved the version and the message translation of this passage. And I'm gonna share just a moment from it because there's a lot in here. But I want us to pick up on verse five. It says, all the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. And there were guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place. Herod was taking no chances. Can you tell the person next to you, Peter slept like a baby. Tell the other neighbor you ignored, I want what Peter has. Good news is we have what Peter has, amen? Let's pray. God, I, I welcome you here. Uh, we need a fresh wind. Oh, Holy Ghost, we don't want cute Christianity. We want powerful, Holy Ghost-led, Spirit-filled-led Christianity. Spirit of God. We need a fresh touch, a fresh wind. We need you to pour out your spirit. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Can you take a moment? I know we already took a lot of these this morning already, but just open your heart. Mm. We need a fresh wind, fragrance from heaven for your spirit A fragrance from heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, we invite you, Holy Ghost. Even before, Lord, we speak your word, would you start to loose people's chains and mindsets? Lord, would you already begin to heal? Would you already begin to set free? God, would you already to, would you already lift heads up in this place? God, would you breathe your life, breathe your hope, breathe your freedom? God, would you come? Holy Spirit, we need you to fill the room. Fill the room. Come, Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I think I said that 20 times. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
So real quick, just a summary over the last three weeks of what we've been talking about here at Church Alive. It is vision month. It is the word of the year is overcome. By the way, you'll be getting these shirts next week. Yes, the back of the shirt is powerful, a beautiful, powerful verse. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Isn't it funny that in this world, in our life, we are tempted to control things. We are tempted to try to take things into our own hands and and we we try so hard and then we get discouraged because God is saying yo not by power not by might but by my spirit says the Lord amen so we're talking about overcome week one Anthony told us the strategy to overcome this year because a it's a declaration he has called us overcomers but he invites you to the journey of overcoming it's invitations because obviously not everyone overcomes some people throw in the towel some people give up on God they give up on different things that they've they were called to run with but he invites us to overcome as we declare that we are overcomers and prayer is the strategy for that. Week two, we talked about how prayer aligns our priorities by helping us drown out the noise of the world. You know, we heard a lot of noise last year. But I wanna say, even though it felt like noise, it didn't mean that a lot of the noise was not important. It just means that sometimes God is not calling you to a specific assignment, but maybe calling someone else to that assignment. The reality is not everyone's going to be passionate about every single thing that is happening, but we're passionate about people, period. We're passionate about seeing people saved, healed, restored, oppression, released, setting, setting the captives free. And the reality is you will feel pulled at different times to do a million things, but the the question is, what is God asking you to align your purpose and your priorities this year in? Week three, we talked about divine focus, getting clear on your purpose and eliminating the distractions that will keep us from that purpose. But today, I want to talk about the inevitable when it comes to talking about overcoming. You see, to overcome is to prevail in spite of adversity. It means there is a battle first before you can win. There is a game to play before you can take the trophy home. It means there's something you need to crush first. There's something you need to beat first. There is resistance first. And although we love the word overcome, because it means all we do is win, win, win. No, you know, just kidding. The reality is, even though we're winners and we're called to overcome, there is a battle first. There is resistance first. It means this year will not be without obstacle or opposition. And some of you may be like, yo, stop that lady. I don't like this message. It sounds like a Debbie Downer. But the cool thing is if you know Jesus, and if you don't, you'll have an invitation in a few moments to know him. If you know Jesus, you know his words. And he said, in this world, you will have many trials. You will have many things that will oppose you, but be of good cheer. Chill out and enjoy the fact that I've overcome the world. I am leaving you my peace. I'm leaving you the fact that you will have a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. John 16, 33. 
I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know what that means to me, friend? It means that we have everything we need to overcome. It means we have all we need for joy. It means we have all we need for peace. When the challenges, the struggles, the opposition come into our workplace, into our families, with our kids, especially if your kids start hitting that teenage phase, you're like, I don't know what to do. They were perfect like five years ago. And now it's like hormones and it's like all, and we're like, what the heck is happening? You're like, I didn't sign up for this, Jesus. I just wanted a cute baby. And then they grow up. But the reality is the struggle is real sometimes in parenting and raising children. And, and in the struggle is real sometimes in our careers, in the workplace, and in, in, in our families, in our churches. Why is the struggle real even in the church? Because the moment I showed up to church is when problems showed up to church. The moment you and I walk into the house of God is the moment that brokenness, imperfection steps in. And that is okay because the blood of Jesus washes us whole. You will find, you will encounter struggle in the house of God as well. And you will encounter it also in your mind. Perhaps your greatest obstacle in opposition may be the obstacle of what is happening in your flesh and in your mind. The enemy will try to steal that piece of yours. He will try to just rob you of sleep. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I need my sleep, right? Anyone else like me who needs your sleep? I'm not that kind if I haven't had my coffee and I hadn't had a good night's sleep. He's still working on me. But keep peace with you like a bodyguard. You see, Peter... He was being persecuted. His friend had just been killed. Stephen became a martyr. He was a deacon. And as he was declaring Jesus, he didn't even realize they were about to stone him. And he didn't care. He's like, I knew my assignment. I am clear on my assignment. I have a peace from God that that is what he's called me to do. So come hell or high water, I will stand. I will crawl if I have to. I will make my way to the finish line because that is the peace of God that will sustain him through the obstacles, through the opposition. I think of Philippians 4, chapter 6 and 7, and I actually pictured, even this morning as I was praying, I pictured Peter like thinking through this verse, even though he wouldn't have had this verse yet, but he knew the concepts, he knew Jesus and he knew he could ask him anything. I, I pictured Peter, it says like this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I picture him being arrested. I pictured him shackled between two soldiers and him saying, God, this is not a surprise to you. God, you told me to go preach your word, to shout your name. You told me to do this, so I will rest in this place in my life. I will rest here like a baby between these two guards. I will trust you, God. I will tell you what I need. God, I need your peace and thank him for all he's done. I picture Peter just saying, God, I thank you. I tasted and seen that you are good. I have seen you set the captives free. I have seen you save the lost. I have seen you call everyone equally to receive your message. I have seen your goodness. I have tasted your faithfulness. I've experienced your peace. You are real and you are good and it doesn't matter the obstacle. I will keep going. I picture Peter 
And then verse seven, I love it. It says, then you will experience God's peace. When? When you give it all to God. When you say, God, I trust you and I thank you because if you did it for me before, you can do it for me again. And even if you don't do it for me again, I will still praise you all the more. I feel like as Christians, sometimes if he doesn't do it for us again, we're like, well, then I ain't gonna praise you then. And we think we're punishing God by limiting our praise. You're punishing yourself because there's freedom in your praise. There is empowerment in your praise. There is, there is so much hope and joy in your praise. To shut your praise is to shut your breakthrough. You know, about seven years ago, I was at a conference in New York with Anthony. We were invited to go there and um, those of you who know I'm woeful when it comes to lyrics of songs. Um, I was standing right in front with the worship team there, like it's similar to our church setup. And I was sitting right around here, not in this building and theirs, but the screen was just like ours. It was that close and it was on a side. And, and I probably would have sung the song they were singing five million times, but of course I still needed to see every word. And as I was singing, it was almost like the screen in front of me changed and it became a picture, like a moving picture, a movie. And those of you who know me, I have a lot of dreams and I see a lot of different visions of what God is saying to me or about our church or about different leaders. It's another thing for another time. Go there another time. Um, but anyway, this particular day, I was already navigating what I felt God was asking me to do. He had given me an assignment. And you know when you get like an assignment, you're like, oh, this will be great. I'm just talking about anything, like at work, a project. And then you like start getting into it. And you're like, what was that? And why is it so hard? And somebody take it away from me, right? And so I was about two years into what I felt like God was calling me for a season to do. Except for I didn't realize how much opposition and how much spiritual warfare and how much how many obstacles were coming during that time. I honestly, it baffled me. I, I wasn't ready. There was so much spiritual warfare during that time. And, you know, I was just so ready to throw in the towel. I said, God, choose someone else. This is ridiculous. You know what I mean? I was like, I ain't, I ain't doing this any longer, you know? And all of a sudden, as I was seeing the screen, it was me on a football field. If you know me, I'm never on a football field. <laughs> but I'm on this field. It, it looked like a football field. And I was running and I had this football. It's actually a person, but it was a football. And I was holding it with all I had. And I was called to hold it and get to the end zone, get to the end of that field. I was like, sure. And I'm starting to run. And as I'm running, it was almost like I was almost getting tackled by different people, by different things. And I had to dodge all the obstacles. I had to be careful to not fumble this ball. Although if fumbled at one or two times. And although I tripped a few times, it was almost like God was showing me a picture. He said, Miriam, I gave you a word. Miriam, get up and run. Go. Yes, they're going to try to take you out. Yes, they're going to try to discourage you. Yes, they're going to try to disqualify what I'm calling you to do. But get up, girl, and go. Don't look back. Go. Kick them along the journey, but go, go, go. Get up. And I was exhausted, and I'm like, and I'm crying, right? I'm in this worship. People are probably like, oh, she's having such a Holy Ghost moment. I was, but he was like, you know, like giving me papa on the bunda, you know? He was kind of like, if you, if you don't understand Portuguese, that means, you know, a little like smack in the butt. And so in Portuguese, and that was very common in my growing up, you know, I was, even though I was behaved, I did get the wooden spoon quite a lot. Um, a couple of them broke too. Anyway, so even though 
I was having this divine moment with the Lord, I felt like he was reminding me, I gave you an assignment. I told you obstacles would come. Now my peace must sustain you, Miriam. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Come on, shackle yourself to peace. Don't shackle yourself to pain. Don't shackle yourself to opposition. Don't shackle yourself up to the opinions, the criticisms. Don't shackle yourself up to the guards of this world, the opinions of this world, the shackling of culture. But let his word be the final say. It was God's peace that sustains me to the finish line. And some of you may be asking, did you get to the finish line? I did, hallelujah, praise God, and I moved on. <laughs> when you have a word from his peace, it guards your heart and mind through those disappointments, through those fumbles, through the tackles, through the exhaustion of sometimes running and even sometimes losing. Peter was chained in the flesh to those two guards that were there to make sure he did not escape. But Peter in the spirit was chained to Christ to make sure he was free. You see, he knew peace because he knew Christ. And with Jesus, the math normally does not add up. If you want freedom, then surrender. If you want to receive, then give. If you want to be great, then be the least. Be a servant. You want to be full, then empty yourself. Get clear on the vision for your life in this season. You may not know what that is yet. You may be like, but Pastor Miriam, I have no clue what God is asking me to do. Then do what you know to do. Grow in Christ. Get in a transform group and grow. Get around people. Iron sharpens iron. Do what you know to do. And as you do that, he will lead and guide you. He wants you to be faithful sometimes in the little so that he can show you a little bit more. I believe that the Lord throughout the years, he's like, here, Miriam, here's a little glimpse of what I'm telling you to do. And sometimes it would have seemed small and insignificant, but he's like, will you be faithful? Will you obey? but you're faithful with the little, he will bless you with more. How do you position yourself in God's peace? I'm gonna give you three points today. Number one, let peace lead you. I'm gonna give you two parts to this one point. Sorry if that confuses all the admins and the type A's like, whoa, okay, hold on a second. A, B, okay. So let peace lead you. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know that I actually checked out over 15 translations, yes, I'm that weird, of that verse with that first word, let. You know, there's a lot of different translations of the Bible and they're just different expressions of how to say the same thing. But I found that in every single one of the translations that I looked up, they all had the word let. That means your spirit is your responsibility. You have, to, you have the choice to let peace rule your heart. You have the choice to let peace lead you. Or if you don't, the only other alternative is your flesh will lead you. Culture will lead you. Fear will lead you. Pressure will lead you. How does peace lead us? 
If you're inviting the Holy Spirit to lead your decisions, lead your business aspirations, your career, your relationships, et cetera, et cetera, then he actually wants to speak to you about them. Maybe you never thought about that. Maybe you're an entrepreneur in here, a business person. Maybe you, you have dreams for the music industry. I don't know what your hopes and dreams are, but do you know that if you ask God to breathe his dreams into your heart, he will actually lead you with his favor and blessing again, although obstacles and opposition will come. So first and foremost, how does peace lead you? He will never lead you differently than the word of God says. Never, ever, not even a little bit, never, never. Rick Warren says the Bible must always have the first and last word in our lives. I do wanna say this, if you're in the process of making a decision, the Holy Spirit is such a gift to us. He gives us promptings in our spirit that says, yo, 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 chill, not a good decision, decision, don't go that way. About to pick a business partner and for some reason, something inside of you is like, beep, beep, danger, lurking in the distance. Beep, beep, caution. Vehicle seems closer than it appears. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, what's that little funny feeling in my stomach? Was that pizza from last night? No, it's the Holy Spirit saying, yo, stop. You're about to make a mess out of your life. And so often we ignore his voice because we get excited about something. We're like, oh my gosh, I found the one. He's terrible and he beats people, but he's the one and he wants to marry me. I'm so excited. And the Holy Spirit's like, stop, stop, stop. All the friends are like, stop. No, he's the one. <laughs> it happens, I kid you not. Oh my gosh, that business is a, such a great idea. I'm gonna do it, but I have to lie and steal for it. <laughs> it's God. No. 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 We have this gift. We have this gift. His name is Holy Spirit, and His language is discernment, and His language is peace. And He's saying, Sons and daughters, I'm trying to spare you pain because not every closed door is a bad thing. I thank God He closed the door to my ex boyfriend. Woo! Obviously, look at my babe over there. Discernment. Sometimes we get overly excited and so we make a quick decision, but we didn't ask God. Or sometimes it's fear that will keep us. And we think, oh, it's the peace of God. I don't feel peace, so it must not. No, but is it because you're afraid that you're not stepping forward? That's why pause. Seek the Father. Seek his word. Get counsel. Have people in your world that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling I should do this. Would you pray with me on this? And let his spirit lead you. Let his peace lead you. You know, the second part of him leading you in peace is when the obstacles come, when the challenges come, when a door closes, when leadership gets tricky, when following Jesus means getting canceled by the world, be led by his peace, not by fear. When you need to have a tough conversation, be led by him, not for the need of approval. When you need to make decisions, when you are tempted to take matters into your own hands, let peace lead you. Let the peace of God rule your heart and mind. Let his peace take you to him. Let his peace lead you to Jesus. Every thought, 
everywhere you walk. Let it take you from despair to Jesus, from confusion to Jesus, from heartbreak to Jesus. See, peace leads us to Jesus because peace is in Jesus and we have Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And if we are one with the Father, we are one with Jesus. You see, the world wants us to not use his name. They want us to use it as a curse word, but they don't want us to use the name Jesus. They're okay with us saying God because there's so many different versions of God in this world, but Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the one who sets the captives free. It's at the name of Jesus that demons will bow down. It's at the name of Jesus that chains are broken. And so while the world wants to steal the word Jesus from our lips, church, say the name Jesus in Jesus' name. Isaiah 26, 3, if I can have Daniel back up on the keys. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I remember in college, I went through a, just, you know, college girls, we kind of go through insecurity. I mean, you don't ever really, you get through it, you know, but I just remember just being sick of how insecure I was. And I was just like, this is a lie from the pit of hell. And I remember getting this scripture and taping it to my little Honda Civic, my little blue 1993 Honda Civic. And, no, yeah, I was 93, it was pretty old. And um, I had it and every traffic light, every, whenever we were in traffic, I would just glance down. Because sometimes it's in the lingering moments that the enemy likes to take your mind and the moments when you're not like maybe busy with stuff that he likes to tell you things. And I was like, nah, Jesus, Jesus, you've called me. Jesus, you have a plan for me. Jesus, you are good to me. Number two, let peace guard you. We already read Philippians 4, 7, where he says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard you, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, there's this misconception that if you have peace and if you have the joy of the Lord that you won't ever need to weep or to grieve or that you won't experience sadness or anger. That's actually not true. God has given us our emotions for a reason. They're not our master, but they do tell us something is up. I say it often, our flesh is not our Lord, our feelings are not our Lord, but they are like flags for us. They let us know, hey, your, your soul's not doing okay. And the reality about God's peace is it does not disaffirm or reject your pain. The peace of God doesn't mean you won't bypass grieving, that you'll skip weeping. It doesn't mean you won't or shouldn't experience any other form of things you may feel, but it means you don't have to live there of COVID and isolation and fear. So many people I knew this past year were like, I'm lonely, Miriam. I just want to say the peace of God invites you to not have to live there. You don't have to live there. You can keep running. It's a protection for you. The peace of God is the presence of God. It's knowing He is there in the pain. It's knowing He is there in the fire. It's knowing He is there when the waves get really high above your boat. It's knowing He is there when you got a bad report. It's knowing when He's there when there's someone you love in the hospital and you can't even be there. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's His peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Come what may, hell or high water. He's there. His peace is with you. It's an invitation. 
invitation to experience him. It's an invitation to know him. It's an experience to live in his presence. He's good. He's good. He is good. He is there when leading gets hard, when you feel alone, when you're tired. His peace is the gift we receive from being in his presence. And you guys can sit. I have a few more minutes. In this world, there's so much confusion and chaos. Currently, it's like, God, which direction? There's so much right now to talk about. There's so much to address. There's so much brokenness. There's so much hatred. There's so much blah, blah. And there's so much, ah, it is hard. And certain people are just angry about this and other people. And, and it's not to disqualify that. It's just, hey, right now, let the peace of God, let it just rule your heart and mind. Seek Him, say, God, what, what do you want right now from me? What, what do you want my attention on right now? What do you want? What's my assignment? What's Pastor Anthony's assignment will be his. My assignment will be mine. Steve's will be his, Steph's will be hers. We all have an assignment, but the world will pull at you to distract you from what God has called you to, but you need the peace of God to sustain you. See, my last point, point three, let peace sustain you. Monday night, I went to bed and I already had an idea. I wanted to preach something different, similar, but different. And for some reason I went to bed and I said, Lord, and I've prayed this many times before and he didn't always give me a direct answer. So, you know, <laughs> but this time I was laying there and I said, hey God, our world, as you know, is like falling apart to get up there on Sunday. I don't know what you want your sons and daughters to hear, but I, I need you. And it was almost instantly, he gave me this picture and I'll never forget it, I see it now. It, it was a picture of the word peace, but it was drowning. There was a lot of waters over it. And it was like he whispered in my heart, he said, Miriam, there's a lot of my sons and daughters who peace is drowning because everything else is coming over it and they just don't know how to grab it. You see, peace is like an escape. The storms are coming. The fire is hot. It's almost like the moment you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give this to you. It's like in a moment that, that, that peace just grabs you and pulls you out. It's like the peace of God that sustains you. It says, come out of there. Come out of that pit of despair. Come out of that pit of discouragement and disappointment and failure. Get out. I'm giving you a way out. It's me, Jesus. I'm your peace. You don't need the circumstances to be perfect. You don't need the circumstances to all align. You need Jesus to lift you, to encourage you, to propel you, to take you. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on Christ. Get up. Get up. Advance. Take ground. Don't throw in the towel. His peace will sustain you. His peace will lead you. His peace will guard you. His peace will said it, I believe it. How many of us truly, if he says it, we believe it. But sometimes if we can be honest, we question if he said it, we could believe it. Monday night when I saw that picture of peace drowning, he said, I, I need you to speak this to the house. And then he said something that bothered me. I'm not going to lie. He said, and you're going to need it this week too, Miriam. And I was like, oh, heck. And I'm like, oh, maybe 
I don't know, it's inauguration, maybe something bad's gonna happen. I don't know, I start like, why Lord? Of course, I don't know why. And fast forward a day and a half. And I had told myself I was gonna take a social media break and I didn't. I did for like 10 days and I was like, yeah, I'm over it. There's like memes of Bernie everywhere. I was like missing out on the fun, you know? And so I go on social media. I mean, how we've needed those, those memes. I mean, who's needed those memes? I've needed those memes. But I was on social media for like three seconds after work too. And I um, saw a person I met years ago at a conference that our church went to quite a lot. Our pastor, all of our pastors went for years. We went there for seven years, um, Fellowship Church, C3. And Pastor Ed and Lisa, man, they'll never know the impact they've had on me and Anthony in this church. We had no clue. When God called us, my dad's like, Miriam, you can lead worship. Anthony, you could preach and you guys have great character, go. And we're like, yeah, that's not what all it takes, but okay. And then thank God for Fellowship Church and C3 Conference and they taught us a lot. But this week we heard the devastating news that Pastor Ed's oldest daughter, 34 year old Lee Beth passed away suddenly. I got sick, like I was sick. I'm like, I just looked at Anthony, I'm like, did you? He's like, yeah, I knew, I didn't wanna tell you. I'm like, what? (laughs) Such a husband thing to do. He was protecting me because he knew what that would do to me. And I remember looking at the same post, I kid you not, guys, I'm not even exaggerating, like 200 times, like this is a lie. What an evil lie, no. Not Eddie Young's daughter, not his right hand, not the woman who runs all of creative, not the one who's preached from, not the one who's the, and I'm like, and I'm like getting angry now. I go over to the couch and I'm now I'm in a bad mood and the kids are like, mommy, and I'm like, and I go to the couch and I'm staring at this picture and I'm mad. It's like, God, he's a pastor. Not that it makes us different than anyone else, but Lord, I thought you would bless and favor and protect. And like, if we, if we take care of your business, you'll take care of our business. And I'm, and I'm saying this, and I've said this before. I've said this before of other pastor friends we've known who've lost someone or maybe has fallen into sin and take it like, oh, I'm like, why? Why? And I'm starting to feel the feelings. And then in that sweet moment, the Holy Spirit said, remember I told you, you were gonna need this peace. And in that moment, and seriously about a hundred times since that moment this week, I have literally said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give it all to you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give it to you. God, I don't understand, but Jesus, I need you right now. I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I give it to you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, I don't understand, it hurts. Jesus, I don't understand, they're hurting. They're broken, they're broken into pieces. They're devastated. Lord, how could this happen? But I trust you, but I trust you. It seems elementary, it seems foolish. It seems like, did I come to church to hear about trusting God? Yes, because maybe right now things are beautiful for you. But I know there will be a time or a moment or a season when opposition will come knocking on your door and you will try 
in your own strength perhaps to get up and he will whisper in your hopefully a reminder of this word my peace I give you not as the world gives you but as I give you get up son get up daughter of God that surpasses all understanding. Peace comes when we meet Him. That is why worship, even though worship was not created for us, it was created for God, but God in His goodness, anything attached to God, it automatically becomes a blessing to us. So although we were created for God, worship, when we come there, we can't but leave without His peace. Peace comes when we meet Him. Peace comes when we trust Him. Peace comes when we surrender all to Him. Bury yourself in His presence and you will be positioned in peace. The word for us is overcome. With that comes obstacle and opposition. But those are no match for the peace of God. We're called to overcome. That's an invitation but you need peace for the journey so you don't throw in the towel for your business, for your family, for every part of your world. Don't throw in the towel when parenting gets tough and don't throw in the towel. When marriage gets hard, don't throw in the towel. There's times too, it's abusive or infidelity and manipulation, but don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. If there is something you can take today, may the peace of God sustain you so you do not throw in the towel. I wanna leave you with Psalm 23, most famous chapter in the Bible, but I think over familiar so we lose a little bit of its strength but it never loses strength if you see it with new eyes and let the Holy Ghost do something in you. Why don't we stand? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod, your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Earlier in the message, I talked about those who know Jesus, those who are sons and daughters. They know that peace. Maybe sometimes forget to pull it out of our pocket a little bit, but we know. We know he's with us. But maybe you're a first time guest in here. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you love the, the notion that Jesus is your savior, but is he your Lord? 
He doesn't just wanna be your Lord on Sundays. He wants to be Lord of all. He wants every part of you, even the part that you don't wanna lay down. Even the part that just doesn't seem fair. So today, I wanna invite anybody in here who's never had the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to his saving grace, to the forgiveness of sins. We are all sinners. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen from grace. And the word tells us that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were in our sin, he sent Jesus. And our response to that is to say, yes, I want the forgiveness of sins. And yes, I want you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, if you can just all close your eyes for a moment. If that's you and that's tugging at your heart and you're saying, yes, that's me. I wanna place my hope, my trust, my all in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then all across this room, as well online and in the overflow in our live theater experience. If that's you, would you slip up your hand so I could see it? I wanna pray for you. All across this room, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see those hands there. I see that hand there as well. I see that hand there as well. Amen. Why don't you put your hands down? I think, cause maybe I'm not as tall as Anthony, I couldn't see everyone. So what we're gonna do is on a count of three, if you're saying, yes, that's me, I wanna place my faith in Jesus. We're gonna have you guys raise your hand up one more time so I could see it. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three, all across this room. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen, you can put it down. I saw that hand there too. I just want you to simply repeat after me this prayer. We're all gonna pray it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for your life, that you died for me, but that you rose again. I ask you forgive my sins. I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.